This is a free download from Delancey Elam Church. We meet every Sunday morning at 10.30am in the Delancey Elam Church building at LeBanks St. Samson's in the Channel Island of Guernsey. To contact us or find out more information about us, please visit our website at delanceyelam.co.uk. Clear that promise over our lives today. You're able to make all things work together. We thank you today that your word is good. Your promises are good. And Lord, we want to be receptive for every good thing that today you want to pour into our lives. So Lord, speak to our hearts, speak to our lives, we pray right now. In Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Galatians 6, verse 14. I want to talk this morning about living on the, living on the right side of the cross. It's all connected with this sense of God wanting to revive and bring us to a place of real, a place of, of powerful revival. And understanding the cross is vital if we're to really come into all that God has for us. I think maybe one of the problems are we know about the cross, but we don't really grasp the, the true reality of what it really means to us in our lives. I just want to talk about living on the right side of the cross. In other words, a lot of Christians can live on the wrong side of the cross. Can you see that? So it's important to what does it mean to live on the right side of the cross? And I want to read you a verse that is just so amazing, so awesome. It's just it's almost breathtaking in, in what Paul de- describes in Galatians 6, verse 14. It's just such a... I just think it's such an awesome word. I'm reading it from the authorised version, okay? God forbid that I should glory save in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ, by whom the world was crucified with me and, and I unto the world. Let me read that again. God forbid that I should glory save in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ, of whom the world is crucified unto me, and I unto the world. Isn't that awesome? What an amazing thing. And it's almost this sense that the poor, it just burns in him, this sense of, that I just want to glory in the cross. Isn't it amazing that, that some of the stuff I've been sharing with you today, the things I've been reading about and re- meditating and thinking on, most of the stuff written about the cross was written probably 50, 60, 70, 100 years ago. There's very little new material on the cross, isn't that amazing? Most of the great writers on the cross are people like Andrew Murray and, and other people, guys like that, because almost we've lost this sense to understand something of the cross. We've lost it. And I think God today wants to just remind us of how powerful the cross is, to get back to realizing how awesome, how great the cross is. And often we take it so much for granted, we get so accustomed to it, we, we, we lose sense of the power of it. Paul says, I glory in the cross. I glory in it because I see something, how amazing, how awesome, how great the cross is. And I glory in it. It's, it's such a reality, such a powerful thing in my life. It's the center of all that I do, all that I am. I glory in the cross. I glory on it. And he uses some powerful words, God forbid. They're almost... That I should glory in anything else. Remember, he's writing here 
to the book of Galatians, in the book of Galatians, they were depending on other things. They were looking for other means and other ways for salvation. They got caught up with laws and regulations and traditions. And he's writing to them to say, God forbid that we ever lose sight of the central message of all, I glory in the cross. I wonder whether we really glory in the cross. Something so relevant, so real, so powerful. The reason why we don't glory in the cross often is because we don't understand how deep, how powerful, how awesome the glory of the cross is. Amen? You can't glory in something that you, that you take for granted, that you, you lose your appreciation of. You want to appreciate, you only, you only glory in something you truly value. Is that right? As I want us today to just really focus on the glory and the awesomeness of the cross. To live on the right side of the cross. And Paul said, I'm going to glory in the cross. Because that's enabled me to do everything I, I did in life was because of the cross. And that, that concept that means that God gives us permission to dream. Permission to go after our destiny. Because we come by learning to glory in the cross. I, he says, I glory in nothing but the cross. I'm crucified to the world, and the world is crucified to me. I think the three strongest words in the whole Bible are these words. It is finished. That's the most three most powerful words in the scripture. It is finished. And I think that a lot of Christians don't live from a perspective of a finished work mentality. Because a lot of believers live on the wrong side of the cross. They don't live from the basis of a finished work mentality of the cross. To live on the wrong side of the cross means that it has everything to do with you and effort. Everything to do with, with, with struggling to be righteous. Struggling with sin and the flesh. In other words, the wrong side of the cross is all about me. But when you but, and when you live on the wrong side of on the cross, you lose sight of what it's all about. To live on the right side of the cross means you enter into all the benefits that Jesus died to bring you. That's what it means. To live on the right side of the cross means I enter into and I apply the finished work of the cross on a day-to-day -day basis in my life. To live on the wrong side of the cross means I never fully enter into all the benefits of the finished work of the cross. Paul says I glory in it because I live in the totality of the finished work of the cross. How many of you have done this? I've done this a few occasions and probably got myself in trouble when I come home. But ever gone to the supermarket Got all the things that you're going to get. You purchase them, you buy them. You put them in, in your trolley, you walk. Then you enter things in your car. And when you get home, you suddenly realize the main thing that you were going to buy, you've left back in the trolley. Ever done that? And you're looking on your list, oh, I, th I thought I bought that. And you realize the thing that you purchased, you're still left back in the trolley. How many have ever done that? Yeah. <laughs> Don't go home if you do that. But you know what I mean? Here's the truth of it. That often it's like that with the cross. Jesus has purchased everything for us. But it's as if we've left a lot of that stuff still back in our trolleys. We've never really allowed it.
to fully work in our lives. There's something in us that's going to say that the lamb that was slain would receive the reward of his suffering. That was the theme of the Moravian church. You ever read about the Moravians? The most amazing Christians. They had 100 years of 24-7 prayer. They were the first real church group, if you like, to send out missionaries since the early church. Some of those missionaries sold themselves as slaves so that they could reach slaves. Isn't that awesome? And the and what the message they would cry out was this, that the lamb that was slain might receive the reward of his suffering. I think 20, 30 years ago, Graham Kendrick wrote a song based on that declaration, that the lamb that was slain might receive the reward of his suffering. And when we enter into the full benefits of what Jesus died to bring us, were saying that the lamb that was slain might receive the glory. That the lamb that was slain might receive the glory of his suffering. I think sometimes that when we don't fully live in that, then God is robbed of his glory of the work of the cross. Can you say amen? And the reason why Paul could glory in it, because he lived in the totality. I want you to see this morning, the cross is not just about forgiveness. As amazing, as awesome, as great as forgiveness is, the cross is not just about forgiveness. The Bible makes it quite plain. The cross is not just about forgiveness. It's about crucifying the sin nature. That's what the cross is about. It's not just the forgiving of sins. It's forgiving the sin nature that produces the sin. Say, for example, you wanted to get rid of Mars bars. You thought, I'm so tired of giving way to Mars bars. I want to get rid of Mars bars. You could empty every Mars bar out of the shelves, but it wouldn't stop Mars bars. Because the fact is, a factory would still be producing Mars bars. The only way you'd ever remove Mars bars, not that we want to, but if you want to remove Mars bars, was to actually close down the factory that produces the Mars bars. And that's what the cross is all about. God is dealing with the thing that produces the sin. We sin because of a sinful nature. And so it's not actually any good just forgiving sin unless you deal with the thing that produces the sin. Is that right? And so the cross is all about crucifying, putting to death the old nature. The cross terminates the first creation by bringing us into a new creation. And God sets us free from the dominion of sin, not by strengthening the old man, but by crucifying him. Recognizing today that that really the old man, the old nature, the flesh, can't really produce anything of benefit for your Christian life. I want you to get a hold of that. God doesn't just kind of kind of put together your old nature, your, your, your old life. He doesn't kind of put it together and just fix it. He puts it to death. He crucifies it. He deals with it. He removes it out of the way. He puts it to death. He puts to death what produces a sin in the first place. you see that? And that's what the glory of the cross is. I have been crucified with Christ. 
And I think the areas where we struggle with in life, the things that seem to overwhelm us and the things we can't deal with are the areas of our life we've never had a true revelation that I've died to it. I've been, it's been crucified on to me. In other words, we don't just understand forgiveness, but we understand freedom, true freedom. Jesus didn't just die for you to be forgiven. He died for you to experience freedom. What's freedom? Freedom is to be all that God called you to be. That's true freedom, to be all that God called you to be. Deep in our hearts, we realize all that we're meant to be. But we realize because of struggles, because of things in us, they prevent us from being all that we're meant to be. And the cross is all about realizing that we can enter into the fullness of what God has got for our lives. We, the old nature, has been put to death. And through the cross, I can live in the power of, a, of being a new creation. That's what it means to live on the right side of the cross. I'm no longer living under the dominion and control of my old nature, but I'm living under the power of a new creation. I'm a brand new person. The old has gone, the new has come. And that's what the cross achieved. It didn't just forgive your sins. It gave you an absolutely brand new nature. Paul puts it this way. If anyone be in Christ, he's a brand new creature. Or one translation says he's a brand new species of being. One that never existed before. The old has gone. The new has come. Get a hold of that. You died with Christ. The old person that you once was has been put to death. The issue is, is whether you really believe it. That's the issue. Living on the right side of the cross means I really believe my old nature and the old person I was is dead, finished with. I really believe it. And I'm beginning to apply it to my life. And the moment you get a revelation of that, things begin to flow and move of your life. The purpose of the cross was to crucify the sin nature so we could be resurrected, so we could be glorified, so that we could be empowered. By the power of God. Amen. You see, I'll never fully live in the power of the Holy Spirit until I realize my old nature has died. And one of the things that hinders the power of the Spirit is when we try to live in the power of our old nature. But when I realize that old nature has died, it's right then that the power of the Holy Ghost begins to work and move in us. It won't work through an old nature it only works through the new nature. Amen? That's why Jesus died for He died so that you can experience the fullness of the Spirit. Amen? Look at one here. Romans 6, verse 2. I've got a baptism in a few weeks. What's baptism really all about? Not just a nice sort of ceremony where we perform and where people share a little testimony and that sort of stuff. What? Because I think this, we lose sometimes the total significance of what baptism is all about. This is what Paul, this is how Paul defines. Let's look at verse 1. What shall we say then? Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? Certainly not. 
How shall we who died to sin live any longer in it? Or do you not know that many of us were baptized into Christ Jesus, were baptized into his death? Therefore we were buried with him, that through baptism into death, that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we should walk in the newness of life. In other words, your baptism, it represents your death to sin. That's what it represents. You've died to it. Totally, utterly died to it. In fact, there's an even stronger term used there. It's the word burial. It's kind of strange, almost. Those of you who've lost those ones, you're aware of this. It's almost a funeral service is the moment when the true reality of that death is that you come aware of it. You say, yeah, that, that. it's almost the, almost the reality. Is that right? The funeral service, there's something about the funeral service that actually brings the reality of that death. Burial almost is a final, that's it. The finality, the burial. So the Bible doesn't just say we died with Christ. It says we've been buried with him. Really, a baptismal service is a funeral service. That's what it is, really. They are saying, I'm dead to the old person I was. I'm dead to my old nature and all the things my old nature used to produce, I'm dead to it. I'm finished with that life now. It's gone, it's dead, it's finished with. Because now I'm going to enter into and experience the full resurrected life of Christ. My old nature is dead and I've rose to a brand new life. See, isn't that the glory of the cross, really. Not just forgiveness, but brand new everything. That's how awesome the cross is and Paul says, I glory in that cross because through that cross, I've got a brand new nature. I'm a totally new person. The old person no longer exists. I'm brand new. I glory in the cross because the world is crucified to me and I'm crucified to the world. Isn't that powerful? See, the cross really, I like to define it this way. It's a picture of, a, of, of divine romance. Paul said this, The Son of God loved me, and he gave himself for me. That's powerful in this sense. That God says, you know, I love you, but I love you too much to leave you as you are. See, if he had just forgiven our sins, that means he's still leaving us as we are. We're not going to change. We're still going to produce the same things because the nature hasn't changed. But God says, I love you too much to leave you as you are. I don't want you producing all those things in your life anymore. I want you to be changed. I want you to be a completely new person. And I'm going to crucify the person that you were. I'm going to put to death your old nature. I'm going to remove it once and for all. He said, I love you too much to leave you as you are. I'm going to crucify your old nature so that you might live a transformed life. So I'm no longer bent towards sin. I'm bent towards righteousness. Many people leave their sin at the cross, but they never really take themselves to the cross. They never really die to themselves. They never crucify the, the old nature, put to death the old nature. Because that's where the real transaction takes place. How can we expect to live in the new life 
If we don't really give and offer our lives to him fully and completely. And it's almost, I think there's adjustments that God makes through our life. I want you to see something. God will not allow anything of your old nature remain. He will deal with it. He will keep dealing with it time after time after time after time until he has totally dealt with your old nature. He'll keep working on it. He'll keep dealing with it. So nothing of your old nature remains and you step into the new nature. Amen. I used to actually, always used to give an illustration about two dogs where someone says, I feel there's two dogs that are fighting in me. Ever read this illustration? I feel there's two dogs fighting in me. A white dog and a black dog. And they seem to be fighting for control. So the question is, who wins? The one that I feed the most. And I used to give that illustration, and it's true about feeding your flesh and all that sort of stuff. My often used to use that illustration quite a lot. And there's a truth in it. But you know what the reality is? That's not the real, total gospel truth. Because the truth is, that dog in you is dead. <laughs> That's the reality of it. You can't feed a dead dog. So I think anyway, but you can't feed a dead dog. So the point is, I've got, I died to it, not try to just avoid not feeding it. Can you see that? It's realizing I've died to that. I've put it to death. I've been crucified with Christ. And Paul says, don't you know you've been crucified with Christ and Christ lives in you. Let me just quote you what F.B. Meyer said. He says, you cannot be possessed by the self-life and the cross-life at the same moment. When we bring our life to the cross and assign our old life to the nails, the Spirit of Christ will break on us in power. I love it. When you assign to the nails, your old life, he says, the power of Christ will break on you. When I come to that Christ and I say, I've died, I've died. My old nature, the old man where I was, it's dead, finished with. And the moment that happens in your life, he says, the spirit of Christ will breathe and empower your life as never before. Amen. Charles Finney, sorry to quote him again, but Charles Finney, he says this, he says, a lot of Christians only believe in imputed righteousness. They don't believe in imparted righteousness. And those seem big words. What do they mean? Imputed righteousness means that the God kind of covers my sin. He just covers it. And that's true. He covers up our unrighteousness with his righteousness. Isn't that awesome? And that's a truth, but it's not the total truth. Because the cross goes even deeper. Because the word imparted righteousness means that when God looks at you, he sees the righteousness of Christ. Here's what it really fully means. God doesn't just cover my unrighteousness. He gives me, he imputes to me, he, if you like, he imparts to me his righteousness. I become fully the righteousness of Christ. I'm not partly righteous. Total righteousness is imparted to me through the cross of Jesus Christ. That's why Paul says, I glory in it. Because through the cross of Christ, I have become totally and completely righteous. I've received the righteous life of Jesus Christ in my life. Peter puts it this way, and it's awesome when you think about it. He says, you now are a partaker of 
of the divine nature. Wow. I'm a partaker. I'm an inheritor. I'm a receiver of the divine nature. I, have been, I, am, in, I am receiving through the cross the righteousness of Christ. Jesus became true of me so I could become true of him. Isn't that amazing? He became totally true of what I was so I could become fully who he was. And I have received his divine nature and life. I have received his righteousness. Now, someone said this. This is what I'm really getting to. Terry Law said this. Most Christians have a higher sense of sin consciousness than they do of a righteous consciousness. In other words, here's what happens. That we continually see ourselves as unworthy. We see ourselves as, as being spiritually inferior. And that dominates us. We're continually looking at ourselves for the answer. We think the answer lies within us. If I just try harder, if, 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 I, just, if I perform better, if I try this or try that, and so I'm continually trying, continually trying to perform, the problem is I keep failing and failing and failing and failing till I get to the point I don't believe I'll ever really change. Which brings me to deeper despair. Which brings me to condemnation and shame and low self-esteem. I become full of rejection. Because I don't feel I'm ever really going to change. I've tried it time and time again. And it's almost the harder I try, the more I fail. Because I've never fully realized I've already got it. It's already mine. I'm already the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. And here's what happens when we live that kind of life. The only way we relate to God is we relate to him out of our sin. We relate to him out of our shame, out of our condemnation. Almost the only way we can connect with God. We're more conscious of when we relate to God is out of our, out of our failure rather than relating to God out of our righteousness. A lot of people are like that. The only time they ever really sense, the only time they ever can really feel they feel God is when they fail, when they've messed up. It's the only time they ever really feel they can feel God. God wants you to feel him and sense him and know him out of your standing with him. Remember that righteousness means to have a total right standing with God. Now, what I'm saying is this. When you really believe you're the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. You know what? You start acting like it. If you don't believe you're the righteousness of God, you'll never, you'll never act like it. But when you really believe you're the righteousness of God, you start acting like it. You start thinking things like this. How can I behave that way if I'm the righteousness of God? How can I say those things if I'm the righteousness of God? How, I, how can I be unforgiving if I'm the righteousness of God? How can I respond the way I do if I'm the righteousness of God? How can I be like that? Because that's not my nature. My nature is a righteous nature. And because my nature is a righteous nature, I'm going to start acting like that. See, the more that you believe you're the righteousness of God, then the more you'll start acting like you're the righteousness of God. The more you start living like that. The more you start working like that. Paul said this, 
Christ in you, the hope of glory. In other words, develop a God consciousness. That sense that you're aware, moment by moment, His presence is with me. Moment by moment, I'm in a right standing with God. Moment by moment, God is there with me. And I'm developing that righteous conscience that God's with me, His presence is with me. I wonder what happened right now. If you developed in your life a day-to-day, moment-by-moment consciousness of your righteousness. I wonder how that would change your life. If I tell you how it would change your life, you would no longer be living with a continual sense of unworthiness. You'd no longer be living with, 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 a, with, a, with a sense of, of anxiety and, and disappointment. But you'd be living with a sense, I'm loved by God. God's with me. God's for me. And out of that, you react to situations in life. Out of that, you begin to, to live your life out of that consciousness. It would totally, radically change your life. See, if I live my life with a continual sense of condemnation and guilt, it leads then to feeling people live their life with continual torment. They're tormented inside. Because they're constantly living with accusation and and failure and disappointment. That is almost their day-to-day thinking. That's their day-to-day consciousness because they're consciousness of their sinful nature rather than being conscious of their righteous nature. At the cross, I live on the right side of it. So I continually live a day-to-day abiding sense that God's with me. Christ in me and me in Christ. And that's how I'm living my life, day by day, moment by moment. I'm conscious, not of my own failure, not of my own weaknesses and and disappointments, but I'm more conscious of his grace. I'm more conscious of, of his ability and power working in me. And so I live my life through that way rather than living my life, just day by day, moment by moment, feeling unworthy, feeling condemned, feeling guilty, feeling unworthy, moment by moment, feeling that way. That means that so many people are living their life that way. That means they're living their life on the wrong side of the cross. What a transformation it would be if we started living our lives on the right side of the cross. Can you say amen? Because that's why Jesus died. That's That's what really, really brings glory to Jesus. Can you say amen? And here's something else. Listen to this. I need to learn to go back to the cross rather than going forward to the cross. Here's what I'm saying. You are not fighting for victory. You're fighting from victory. See the difference? See, sometimes we think we're fighting to get the victory. The point is the victory's already been won. It's finished. I've done it. The cross has already won the victory. You're not fighting to get the victory because the victory has already been won. You see, when I'm fighting with something in my nature and character, I'm fighting from a place that's already been won. Jesus has already faced it. He's already defeated it. All I'm doing, I'm trying to, I'm trying to actually bring about, I'm trying to, if you like, in, in, for me, the work of the cross in my life. I'm trying to impart the victory of Jesus already in my life. I'm not fighting from a place of defeat. I'm fighting from a place of victory that Jesus has already won. I'm not fighting to, to win something or attain something or strive for a victory. 
I just need to reckon myself dead to sin and alive to God and realize that Jesus has already won. It's far easier to live your life from a place of victory than to try to live your life from a place of defeat and try and win the victory. Here's the best, I'll stick here's the best illustration. Think of this. Are oh, you Sid? You don't mind Sid, do you? Man United, sorry about this, are playing Man City. Man United are winning 45 0. <laughs> and there's two minutes to go, okay? Two minutes of the match left. And suddenly, David Moyes looks over and there he sees Sid in the stands there. Sid happens to have brought his football boots that very day. <laughs> and he calls, he says, Sid, come on. Come and, come and play for us. And he put, he's got his, un, un, under his tracksuit, under his cardigan, sorry. He's got his, he's got his Man United strip. And he takes off, he's got these Man United, he puts his football boots on. Now listen, there's two minutes to go. It's already 45-0. Sid probably will never kick the ball. <laughs> he won't kick the ball, maybe have no part in that game. But in those last two minutes, he's part of the team. And when the match is over, they're saying, well done, Sid. Well done, amazing. Thank you, Sid. He may never have kicked a ball, but he's part of the victory because the match was already won. Thinking about that, I hate to watch matches. I love to watch a match when I already know the end result. How many love that? They make it easier. If you already know the end result... Because if you know it's a bad result, you don't want to watch it. Is that right? I've read the end of the book, and I know the end result. Jesus won, the devil lost. And so we live our lives saying, you know what? The victory's already been won. All I need to do is enforce the victory that Jesus already brought about. Can you say amen? That's, Paul says, I glory in the cross. I want you to see something this morning. The cross is not the finishing line, it's the starting line. That's where you start from. That's not where you end. I start from the cross, and from the cross, God fills me with the Holy Spirit. He resurrects me. He glorifies me. He brings me and sees me at the right hand of God with Jesus. But it all begins at the cross. And I struggle with the patterns of life and habits and with the sin nature have already actually been dealt with. I want you to see something. Let's get back to our dead dogs, all right? You know what? Someone says this, you can't teach an old dog new tricks. It's even harder to teach a dead dog new tricks. And that's the point. You just say, I've died. I don't need to be controlled or bound by these things. I have died with Christ. So if all that is true, only believe that's true, why then do we still battle? Why then do we still fail? Why then do we still mess up? Why is that? If all that is true, if the cross is so powerful, so awesome, if the victory is so complete and so total, why is it we still fail and mess up? Why is that? Because we all do, is that right? See, I'm not preaching this morning sinless perfection. Because we all mess up, we all fail. Why is that? Why is that? So i tell you why. Here's the key. Romans 12. Verse 1 and 2. I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies as a living sacrifice, wholly acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. 
Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is the good, what is the acceptable will of God. Let me ask you this question right now this morning. Do you believe it's God's will that you live in perpetual defeat? Do you believe it's God's will that you're controlled by old habits? Do you believe it's God's will that you're, that you're bound up? Do you think it's God's will that you would get continually upset and angry and, and full of anxiety, full of worry, full of depression and doubt? Do you believe, how many believe that's God's will for your life? So it says, you prove what is the perfect will of God. How many would say that God's perfect will for you is that you're living a life of victory? How many would say that's God's perfect will for you? How many would say God's perfect will for you is that you're living in true freedom and true liberty? How many would say that God's perfect will for you is that you become all that God meant you to be? You're no longer bound, you're no longer held down, you're no longer reacting and living a life that you know it's not what God's best and God's fullness for your life is. Is that right? So how do I fully prove what is the perfect will of God for me? Remember, his perfect will is victory. His perfect will is liberty and freedom and fullness. His perfect will is abundant life. Is that right? That's what he wants for you. That is his perfect will for your life. Jesus says, I've come that you may have life and you may have it what more abundantly. His perfect will isn't that you're miserable and depressed and empty and disappointed continually, moment by moment in life. His perfect will is that you're living in the joy and the abundance of Jesus Christ. Is that, I mean, so that's right. So how does that happen? It's what Paul says. It happens by the renewing of your in other words, the reason why I keep walking in that failure, the reason why I keep doing what I'm doing, is because in that area of my life, my mind has not been fully renewed in the fact that Jesus has defeated it and won the victory over it. So victory comes when suddenly I get a revelation, when I realize that Jesus had the victory over it. It is finished. And I'm not saying we won't have struggles and issues and challenges. But the way we deal with it is always through the cross. It's always realizing the victory of the cross. It's always coming back and embracing the victory of the cross. And I'm continually living my life on the right side of the cross. And allowing my mind to be renewed in that area. If I'm struggling with worry, then almost I'm getting my mind renewed to say, actually, I've died to that worry. That worry, that anxiety no longer needs to control me because that's part of my old nature and that has died in Christ. If the habit, I'm getting to a point where I realize I've died to that. That no longer needs to have dominion and control over him because I've died to it. And it's getting my mind renewed enough to realize the power of the cross. It's not some self-help idea. It's coming back to the cross and recognizing, getting the revelation of the totality of the victory of Jesus Christ on the cross. The victory has already been won. You know what that means? 
That always gives me, that always gives me confidence. That always gives me hope. That always makes me realize, no matter how difficult my struggles are, how big my problems are, then there's always hope in that. Amen? It's not a hopeless situation. Not one of us this morning is in a hopeless situation and a hopeless condition. None of us are beyond the help of the power of the cross. Is that right? That means every situation has hope in it. Every life has hope in it. Every challenge has hope in it. Every struggle has hope in it. There's victory by living on the right side of the cross. I've just got to believe it. And here's the other thing I need to do. In my heart, I've got to let go of it. Because here's the problem with some people, is they don't want to let go of their issues. They don't want to let go of things in their life. They want to hold on to it. And the only way you get truly free from it is to say, I'm letting go of it. I'm bringing it to the cross and I'm putting the nails through it. That can be almost a morbid delight in holding on to our old nature, as weird as that is. Victory begins is when I say, Lord, I'm letting go of it. I don't have to be like this anymore. I don't have to live this life anymore. There is victory. There is defeat, that thing for my life. Because of the victory and the power of the cross. Can you say amen? Let me close by saying this. Think about the cross, what Jesus went through, just for a few moments. The Bible says, his back was ripped to pieces. Some describe his back was like a ploughed up field. But the Bible says, there's victory through that. Because by his stripes, what? I am healed. I think of the nails. Six inch nails were smashed through his hand. Often, just by there, because that's the most sensitive part of your body. And the moment those nails hit that part of his body, it was almost like a thousand volt electricity going through his whole body. When those nails are smashed through his hands, the Bible says he took all our sin, all our failure, all the, the broken laws, and he nailed it to a cross. His hand covered your sin and your failure. So whenever you feel the devil accusing you, remind him that Jesus' hand has covered your sin and your failure. His other hand carried your guilt. Crucifixion was a means of slow suffocation. That's why they nailed his legs to the cross. So he would just lift his way up and gain breath through it. Where's the point? Feet speak of being on top of things. Jesus died for the things that seemed to get over you. Your failure. Your disappointments. He died for all that. He's above it, not beneath it. And when I come to the power of the cross, I realize I can live above all the circumstances, all the failure, all the disappointments of life. The Bible says he's, he's, that they smashed thorns into his head. Poisonous thorns. I think the big thing a lot of people struggle with today are poisonous thoughts. Accusing thoughts. Thoughts that seem to just bind their life up. When those thoughts enter your head, it's poisonous and seems to pollute the whole of your system. Limit you, hold you down. He took all your tormenting thoughts so you could have a new mind in Christ. Amen.
I just love it. The power of the cross. Baba says they stuck a spear in his side, and out of his side, Baba says, came blood and water. That reveals he died of a punctured heart, a broken heart. Maybe you're here today, and you feel your heart is broken. Things in life have just broken your heart. Jesus died for a broken heart, amen. In the cross, he healed the broken heart. You can say amen, it's all through the cross. Jesus went through all that for you. That's the glory of the cross. On that cross, they cried out. He says, my God, my God, why, what, why have you rejected me? Why have you turned your way from me? I'm thinking that Jesus died for those times in life where you feel rejected, where you feel that the people have failed you and disappointed you, and you feel rejected, you feel cut off from God maybe. Jesus took your rejection so that you could receive his acceptance. And you can say, I'm accepted. My favorite verse in the old Bible, I'm accepted in the beloved. How many love that? Accepted in the beloved. And we could go on and on and on. Every part of the cross has significance that I apply to my life. Someone said this, and it just struck me so powerful, that Jesus became me. Wow. On the cross, Jesus became me and Jesus became you. So that you could become him. Because <laughs> that's our destiny. Predestined to be like Christ. So ultimately, how do I glorify the cross? So I'll tell you how you really ultimately glorify it. By making it known. By that work of the cross living in you, you make it known. By living that life out, by living out a life of resurrection, by living out a, a life that has died to sin, died to this world, as you live that life out on a practical day-to-day -day basis, you glorify him. You show the glory of the cross. Someone said this, and I've never forgot this, that really our lives really should be unexplainable. They are powerful. That when people look at you, there is no explanation for why you are the way you are. People can't explain you. How can somebody be so full of love? How can be somebody be so full of joy when they're going through what they're going through? How can that person be so much at peace? How can that person have such an amazing attitude? In other words, you, when people look at you, they can't explain you. They can't look at any natural reason for why you are as you are. Someone said this, the Christian life isn't hard, it's plainly impossible. Because you can't live it in your own power and strength. You can only live it when you die to yourself and let the resurrected life of Christ live through you. Paul said, no one is like glory in the cross. I don't even want to glory in the cross right now. Let's just come before him right now. And I said, let's spend a few moments. Let's just glorify him in the work of the cross right now. Just glorify him what Jesus has done for you in the cross right now. Can I just come right now? Just let's all stand before him right now. It's been a few moments of saying, Lord, I just thank you for the power of the cross. Just begin to thank him. Thank him. Break that lie of the enemy right now. Just break every lie, every deception that the enemy would feed into your mind. Begin to renew your mind. Say, you know what? I don't have to be as I am anymore. Jesus died for me. 
He took me to the cross. That's the power of the cross. Jesus took you to the cross. He took all that you were, all that you are. He took you to the cross. And he put your old man and your old nature to death. He crucified you. He put you to death. So you can live in the power of the new nature. Just begin to thank him. Say, Lord, thank you today. Thank you for what you did. Thank you for the work you've done in my life right now. I praise you and thank you. Just declare of your life, I've died with Christ. And I'm living in the power of my new nature. I'm living in the power of a new life. The old is gone, the new has come. You've just got to believe that. You've got to appropriate it. The victory has been won. It is finished. Over, done, finality. Finished, done, over and done with. With a new life. Just begin to thank him. Say, Lord, thank you today for the victory. Thank you for the victory that you won, Lord Jesus. Thank you the old is gone, the new has come. I'm a brand new creature, a brand new person. The old is totally and utterly gone right now. All the old things I struggle with. Give me a revelation. It's dead. Give me a revelation of it right now. Thank you for listening to this free download from Delance Healam Church. For more downloads or to contact us, please visit our website at delanceyelam.co.uk.